Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let me bang you, I do let you bang Let me bang you, Let me bang you, baby. Greetings, nerds and virgins. Go for Jesus! No for Jesus, people! And I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time once again for your favorite mixed martial arts podcast. Recording out of Los Angeles, California, it's MMA Roasted with Adam what's up people we got a brand new mma roasted podcast today we got greg romero wilson one of the funniest hey, people, hey. funny people alive actually uh right behind mccorkle who is also one of the funniest people alive uh if you guys are not following corkle on facebook you are missing out because uh this dude does not give a fuck. Like in person and even on the show, he holds back. But then you get into these like Facebook modes where you're just like blasting everybody uh, in the world. So make sure you guys follow him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter because talk about uh, better, something better than TV. And then we have Ween Dog uh, as well. Am I popping right now? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, maybe turn the audio on your speakers down a little bit. Okay, all right. Is this a little better? feedback. Uh, yeah. All right. Is this better right here? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. fine. So we got a brand new podcast. Uh, it's been a crazy week. I'll talk about my book for a second. First of all, my daughter who I, I, cause I have, two, I have a two year old daughter. She refuses to wear pants in public. Uh, so we go to the park <laughs> and it's chilly. I mean, and like chilly in LA is like 60, but still like there's like creepy people in the park. And also if she, if she gets a cold, that's on me. I'm going to get in trouble. And then I'm going to get banned from taking her to the park and yada, yada, yada. So uh, I have to fight with her for like 30 minutes. And she's stubborn. She's like, no. I'm like, all right, then we're not going to ballet class. Fine. So now we're fighting for 30 minutes about me trying to get pants on her. And this is my karma for trying to get girls' pants off them my entire life, is having a daughter <laughs> that won't wear pants. Uh, yes. This is actually... This is this is God fucking with me. McCorkle, you're a, you're a father of a, a daughter. Any... Uh, advice on how to get my daughter to wear pants yeah i uh man this may seem a little harsh but i only had to spank both my kids once and it was both when they were old enough to tell me no when they understood what it meant you know as far as like i told them to do something they said no and i just swatted their butts and uh like gave them a real spanking when they said no to me i mean not like do you have to go to the bathroom and they say no but like when i tell them something directly to do and they say no and look at me you know so i just uh spanked them both and i never had i never heard no again like i just they just did what i said from that point on like we didn't do counting. I didn't do a second chance. You did what I said immediately when I told you to do it. And that was a uh, saved them. Uh, probably saved their lives. I would like to think. Um, no, no, but to, but to, the rest of mine. I don't know. But to be clear, you're like six, six, <laughs> 380 pounds. I just feel like your lightest swat is still harder than my full <laughs> body twisting 
forward punch. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying that may have had something to do with it. Maybe they, they just woke up. Actually, they just well, woke up. They were in a. I don't, I don't recommend parents turn the shoulder over when they give the SWAT to the kid. Like I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wind up or anything. But uh, yeah, no, it was more the uh, just the disapproval, I think, and probably the SWAT from a giant man that brought him straight. But uh, yeah, I just that's the way my dad raised us, um, and I don't know for better or worse. Like there was no second chance. There was no timeout. There's no anything. You do what I say when I tell you to do it. And that's that. And it's a lot harder with girls than it is with boys. I'll give you that. Like my daughter, um, to this day, it's hard for me to say no to anything she asks. You know I mean? She could ask me to do anything. And I used to, I used to throw things up in the air and let them slam me in the face while I would lay on the ground to make my kids laugh. Like if they, we started with a GI Joe man <laughs> laying down on the floor and I would throw it up and try to hit the ceiling fan with it as it was spinning. And if it would come down, hit me in the face, they would crack up. So then it went to matchbox cars. Then it went to bigger cars. Then it went to massive things. Like, hey, will you throw this in there and see if, if it doesn't like hit the Like full-size cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was actual real cars then. Yeah. And it went to, and, uh, it went to your ex-wife, too. Your ex-wife was there. You throw your ex-wife, and then she her face exploded. Um, yeah, I was trying to, trying to dodge everything she was throwing also. But the, the real thing I found that uh, will straighten any kid up, especially teenagers, man, and I've had to do it with my kids is uh, I just threatened to make them watch Brendan Schaub's comedy special. <laughs> oh, we got one early and, too. Uh, That's an early one. With that. I immediately That's... regretted not leading with that when you uh, asked me that. So. <laughs> now, the, you know, it's called the player's curse. You know that, right? Yes. Yes, of course. What if you're a player, God gives you uh, a girl. That's what happens. It's like, oh, yeah. you like taking advantage of women? Well, here you go. Now you're going to worry about guys doing that to your little girl for the rest of your fucking life. It's the player's curse. That's the way it goes. You I, like I, actually, uh, women. I actually reversed it on God because I was a virgin when I got married at 19 years old and I had a daughter three years later. So then, uh, like, I, since he gave me a girl, then I was a player later on, I think, to uh, get back at God. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> that joke sucks. All right. Yeah, the universe, <laughs> the universe evens out. The universe out. evens out. Let's just leave it at yeah. that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was that. Then I actually, uh, so Friday night I had a show at a comedy club at Flappers. And they, it was like 10 people in the crowd. That was a maximum to actually sold out. It was only 10 people, um, but we made $40, you know, but it was live streamed. It was live streamed. You so know, it was basically their, what their standard amount of audience has. <laughs> yeah, only the, this time, only this time they got to call it sold out. Can okay. you guys explain why flappers is like the running joke in the LA comedy scene? Cause everybody roasts flappers. And I, every time I've been there, it's been a decent club. You know, why is it like the roast epicenter for the LA comedy scene? I think because when they first started out, they were doing a lot of bringer shows where you people could bring people to do comedy. And then they were trying to throw in real comics within that. But like, so like you bring 10 people you could perform because they were trying to get an audience. So I yeah. guess people were seeing like comics that weren't ready kind of a thing. And then, uh, and then I don't who knows? I don't care. They're booking me. For me, so. it's the fact that they try to make most of their money off of the comics, not off the shows, not off the audience. They try to make it off the comedians. Like you don't even get free water there. It's the worst. Like they wow. tell you, you don't get a discount on food. You don't get a discount on drinks. You don't get free bottles of water. You get nothing. All it is about trying to milk the comics that come through there, and that's always been my problem with them. Well, whatever. I, it felt great to have an actual show on a stage. Like, it was the best. But afterwards, you know, people, some people bought tickets and watched it virtually, and I asked my sister, how'd you like it? She goes, I like your Zoom shows better. I, I go, what? She's like, yeah, What's I like the difference. Talk. She's like, because you could talk to me. I'm like, yeah, because you're in a box. Like, I, like, I actually, like, the Zoom shows are like, it's comedy, like, asterisk. You know, like, because it's like comedy without the laughter. 
so you don't get to actually feel good about what you're doing. Uh, it's good for running. Like Brendan Traub comedy. I got you. <laughs> it's like, There's two. Two hot ones. Sorry. So, so that was that. Then, then Saturday, right? Saturday. I, I think we're going to break the record. Eh? We're on pace to break the record. So Saturday, <laughs> I got booked to um, do commentary on a boxing match between two comedians. This guy, Mikey Gordon, who goes by Dirty Ron, Ronald McDonald, because he looks like Ronald McDonald, but he's like Jack, against Chris Espinosa, who was like his feature comic, and they, they had beef, right? And then there were three. Now, now, but they had a bunch of fights that night, right? Between comics, isn't that right? No, that was a different one. I guess now comics are now fighting each other. Yeah. Actually... I, I, uh, I'm sorry. So go ahead. Yes. Yeah, there's two comic league. Like this is like the competing. There's like the one in, in Burbank. I think it was like Joey Medina was involved, and it was Stephen Briggs against Jason Cheney and these comics. But then this one was two comics in San Diego. So I'm driving down, and of course it's like during the Khabib fight and all that. So I order the pay per view on my phone. And I'm driving, and then I'm pulling over for each fight, like, so, like, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's like one so round, dumb. you know. I keep pulling in, like, I'm watching it in like McDonald's parking lots, hoping it goes like one round, you know, because I don't, I don't want to drive and, and watch it. Like even that, like, uh, now that I have a kid, I'm, 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 I'm yeah, I'm that's watching. very dangerous. That's yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So, but I get there, and I'm like, I figured it'd be like six people, you know, because it was, it was like it would be sectioned off. There was about a hundred people in like a little in this little warehouse. Like it was nobody wearing masks, of course. And I thought MMA fans were crazy. First of all, they had three indie wrestling matches or four beforehand. Indie wrestling fans are insane. Like, uh, like, and then the, the the wrestlers were like, "Fuck you, motherfucker!" And then the guys in the crowd were like, they cursed each other out. And then actually, you know, you think that they don't actually, they're not in like the best shape by looking at them. These people are in really good shape, these wrestlers. They don't look like it. They all have like, a lot of them have like, you know, guts and bellies, but they're doing crazy aerobic shit. And then uh, <laughs> I, was in, I was into it until, uh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, hey, come in. I was into it. This is a it great and, part of the podcast. <laughs> whenever Adam answers the door, it's yeah. always the best part of the show. Oh, of course. Well, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> Life goes on. Somebody scheduled cleaning during the podcast. Okay, anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> so throw uh, that down the hallway. The vacuum is going to turn on any second now. Uh, yeah, no, it's okay. How are you? My wife will be here in a second. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay, Um. so then uh, I was into it until the staplers came out. And when the wrestlers started stapling each other's heads and like the thumbtacks and, and then like and then the crap, I just, I wasn't into that. I'm sorry. I, I got a little bit like, I felt bad. Like they were like legitimately the, the one they were like, I could see the blood backstage of people after being stapled their whole backs. I mean, it was it was pretty it was pretty gnarly, but it was entertaining. But holy shit! And then the yeah. boxing match lasted about six seconds. Espinoza, I, I knew because I had to interview him, and I was like, "Hey, have you, have you trained for this?" He's like, not really. But I haven't thrown a punch in seven years. But I'm too quick for this guy. And the other guy was like, look like he'd been, you know, you know, Mikey just. Three jabs in, the guy's legs buckled. And then he just beat the shit out of him in 46 seconds. But then at the end, they interviewed the guy. And Mikey was nice. He was like, hey, man, you know, I give you a lot of balls for coming here. And Espinoza goes, takes the mic and goes, wrestling's fake, and you guys are all losers. So then the whole crowd <laughs> started booing. <laughs> that's awesome. oh, the that's whole the crowd. best ending imaginable. That's great. It now, was, until they go... So the guy goes, get the fuck out of my house. And then the guy's wife kicked him out. But it, that was like legit kicked him out. Well, that wasn't even part of the script. Because this, this is a real boxing match. 
so that was that was my Saturday. Uh, any 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 comments, Greg or Sean or Ween Dog? Man, I know when I did a, I did a couple of independent wrestling shows where I was just supposed to sign autographs. It was funny because the fans would come up, and I'm sitting next to the Blue Meanie or or like you know these old you know foul venus these old wrestlers and they're like this guy's an actual real fighter not fake like these other guys and then i'm getting like resentment coming from the other guys and like i didn't even say it you know and of course i'm signing autographs for free they all want 25 bucks they're like well why is the real fighters free and you want 25 bucks for yours and val yeah. venus is like i'm sorry and val venus is like dude you're not charging and i'm like man i didn't know i was supposed to like i feel bad you know like ruin everything but the best part i may have told you this before i can't remember but the best part about hanging around pro wrestlers is when they lose track of reality which is probably most of the time but um they're like, uh, man, I'll tell you what, hardest night of my life, 1987, Starcade, had a 40-minute match with so-and-so. I barely came through after the run-in by King Kong Bundy, man. He, that guy had me in a choke. I barely got out, got him for the one, two, three. And I'm like, but it was, that was the plan, right? Like, you got staged that, right? <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, my character, that was the hardest thing he ever went through. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I, I had a four-hour car ride with these guys, and on and on, they would tell these stories. These just war stories. Man, I'll tell you what triangle match both of them turned on me i was this and you know beat the hell out of me man for 48 minutes crowd was throwing chairs in there all this and that and i got the pin at the end man it was highlighted my life and i was like but that was what they that's the script right and they were like yeah i mean that was the plan but i'm just saying it's a tough match and i was like okay i, I was really confused did i entertain i mean it's grueling on the body those guys like uh i was like holy because these guys look no offense greg they have your they have your physique uh even worse um, no but, offense taken. Uh, but, <laughs> but these guys, I mean, they, they can do crazy flips. And uh, 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 Greg Fry, did you wrestle back in the day? I wrestled, I wrestled. I wrestled with reality. That's what I wrestled with. Someone had a problem with me, they were going to get a beat down. That's what they had to wrestle with. Um, can anybody and, and you know, it does bring me back to a point that I've made many times on this show, Adam, and that's you don't have to say yes to everything. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Okay, first of all, and it's not just the fact that I mean, this this isn't exactly a premium gig, um, nor is it in your wheelhouse. So that's two strikes. But then it's up against one of the biggest fights of the year that is your job to watch. So not only again, that, like, I have to question your judgment from beginning to well, end. The guy, the the guy in charge, the thinking? guy in charge is a friend of mine, Mikey Gordon, a friend of mine. He also, he also, he made a movie and I'm in the movie. Uh, I, I, it's a pretty decent gig and uh, it's a great gig. I'm excited about it. And uh, Rob Van Dam's in it. So, uh, you know, fuck. Again, it sounds like you did your part. What is this other shit? <laughs> this has nothing to do with Saturday night. You and then must, I actually you must learn the power of no. I know, I know, I know. Jesus yeah. Christ. Dude, don't you hear the craziest part? So it's in like a loft. It's like a warehouse in a loft, undisclosed location. Like... <laughs> There's like 200 people there. Not like I think these people already had COVID or the. And it's a health <laughs> risk, you. I'm, I'm, I'm on the second. I'm on the second floor. I'm an, I'm announcing, but like like the power went out. So the guy, one of the wrestlers, is yelling at everybody like, "Don't touch this fucking wire," you know. Nobody and like this, this like androgynous, like one of them is like a boy George type wrestler, and then the other one, they, everyone's like. I could see like slungs and uh, then it, right before the, the boxing match came on, they're like, guys, we have a special guest, a fire eater, right? So this chick comes out and starts juggling fire. Now, 
I'm not a scientist, but I think the last thing you want during a pandemic is the air out of the room uh, because <laughs> the air out of the room with like nobody wearing masks and fire coming up. I, I, I'm thinking it's gonna be like a fucking great white concert in three seconds, right? So I literally fucking wait. I, I'm like, I'm at it. I go, I go to the guy. I go, why do you think this is a good idea? Um, having fire right now in a in a warehouse uh, with that no one's supposed to be at. Yeah, and the guys look. I'm in charge of sound, man. Leave me alone, right? Like, I'm just doing my job. I'm, just, I'm like, so now I'm like annoying this guy. I'm like, no, but there's there's a lady juggling fire right now. He's like, oh, dude, 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 don't fuck with me. I, I got to do my cues, right? So then I'm just like, I waited outside. They're selling marijuana, by the way. The concession stand has food and weed. <laughs> like, oh, it was a Robert Zapata production. I love it. Was like, dude, I took like all these videos. I get home, I show my wife. She, she was so. Oh no, God! She was so such pissed. an idiot. Oh my she God! She was so fucking angry. Look at honey. Look at all these health risks I took while I was away from you for four hours. Dude, she wanted to kill. She didn't talk to me. She's like, she, she got. I'm scared. on her side. I know, but I'm like, you don't understand. Look at this team. It's like the like I'm like starting with the wrestlers. I'm like, how cool is this guy? Like, oh God, it was fucking terrible. Uh, I got to be honest. The fire eater makes more sense than you being there. Uh, so anyway, and, but, but the good news, by the way, the MMA awards are on. Uh, I'm writing the sketches. They're going to be really funny this year. Uh, I'll just I'll just give you that. Um, so let's talk see about that. That that's a gig you should do. Yeah, that is something you say yes to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let's play a little, no, let's do a little role play, okay? <laughs> let's just do a little role play, okay? I'm going to be someone that, you know, maybe did some stuff with you in the past, calling you up for a gig, okay? Right, and I'm right. going to pitch you the gig, and then I want you to practice your answer, okay? okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, hey, hey, uh, is this Adam? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Listen, I got this gig. It's um, two guys, uh, it's bum fights. Okay. okay. <laughs> They're homeless people. They're both going to be wearing barrels, though. Now, now the audience, okay, we're going to be in a completely unregulated uh, area. Uh, we're going to overcrowd it, and there'll be fire hazards. Okay. <laughs> but you're going to be paid $65, and it's only a two-hour drive. Can you make it? Bitcoin? Or, uh... Bit uh, Bitcoin. You got it. Yes, at Bitcoin. 65 Bitcoin. Sixty-five dollars worth lead of to a gig that might get me seventy-five dollars. Yes, next year you could do our our uh, glorious ladies of wrestling. Ooh, that, that one sounds pretty good. No, 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 I'm not going to do it because it's a fire hazard and it's a pandemic, and also <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait! I forgot the best part though. We're gonna have uh, uh, we're gonna have people serving uh, an open buffet that everyone's gonna <laughs> eat with their hands. There actually was that, to be honest. All right, Jesus so, Christ, okay, all right. I can't even. All right, got you, it. Forgot all right. To, you forgot to talk about what the wrestlers' physiques were gonna look like. <laughs> <laughs> they're all gonna have and Greg all, Wilson's physique. And they're they're all gonna be built like me. Now, can you make it? And by the way, it's gonna be on the night <laughs> of the biggest MMA fight of the year. Can you skip that to come do this? Dude, I get there, there's like, no one tells me what I'm doing. There's no script. I don't even know the name of the promotion, right? And then the guy's like, all right, time for your segment. 
I'm like, what, what am I doing? And then the guy's like, here's what you do. And he gave me like 37 things. It's like, Fist Combat TV, blah, blah, blah. The opening night, blah, blah. And then I just was like, uh, okay. So I was like, guys, these guys have more bad blood than Charlie Sheen. I was just fucking riffing. And they were like, perfect, right? <laughs> then, then I had to find the fucking sound guy who was outside getting stoned. The, the camera guy wasn't even in the room. It was, anyway, let's talk about the fights. Justin Gaines. <laughs> Can I just say real quick that I, I look forward to in 20 years, Adam saying, greatest night of my life, 2020, October 23rd. <laughs> I'm in a barn. There's a bunch of guys built like Greg Wilson. I barely pulled through. Like, I don't know. Dude, it was crazy. The, 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 the guy that got must out didn't learn know to was. say no. Dude. Anyway, Justin, Justin Gaethje versus Khabib. Uh, man, I'm look, I, I kind of, I called this because everyone kept selling me on Gaethje. And they're like, this guy's, the, his wrestling is wrestling. I'm like, I've never seen his actual wrestling. I'm sure, I know he was a four-time All-American, but the guy hasn't wrestled in 30 fights. Like, why do we think all of a sudden he's going to out-wrestle the best wrestler in MMA? Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to say a couple things. Number one, in the first round, I thought Khabib was fighting Gaethje's fight. He was almost gave him a chance to beat him. His hands yeah. were down, and he got into a kickboxing match with a guy who's a better kickboxer, I, I would think. Um, but once it went to the ground, it, it was a wrap. Uh, Khabib yeah. has guerrilla strength, bear strength, and, and, and Gaethje's takedown defense, I guess, isn't what it should be or people are saying. But whose is it? Or who's, whose submission defense is it against Khabib? You know, you can have the best submission defense in the world, but when you get guys like, you know, like Matt Hughes, when he took out – who was that guy uh, that he like – was it Ar Arona that, he, that Matt Hughes took? He put him in like a front headlock. And like a, and then just choked the guy out. Was it? Was it? Uh, it was the. You know, it was like one of those. I, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember. Yeah, it wasn't Arona. It was. It was, uh, it was like one of those chokes that only the Matt bulldog Hughes, choke. Yeah. Only Matt Hughes can do. When you have that sort of strength, doesn't matter in some ways how good shit you are, because you're just dealing with a different animal. You're 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 not getting that type of pressure in the gym unless you're rolling with like heavyweights or something. Um, and you, which is, you're like, why are you over the heavyweight if you're 155? But, uh, I wasn't surprised. I was a little surprised. I don't think Gaethje showed up. It seemed like he was a little happy to be there. He didn't seem that disappointed after he lost, which is a little alarming. Uh, but I give Khabib all the credit in the world. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's that good where even on a bad night for him, which I thought it kind of was with a broken like, toe, with a broken foot, he still yeah. can beat the number one guy in the world in the second round. Thoughts, Greg. Thoughts, Sean. Thoughts. Uh, who? Okay. First of all, who took Gaethje uh, here on our show? Because I know I took Khabib. I, did I took Gaethje. I thought Gaethje was gonna knock him out. There you go. I was gonna say I know somebody had taken Gaethje. I just the you know the thing is the second he almost when he got him to the ground and then he does that thing where he wraps up the other guy's legs inside of his legs. Yeah. The second that happens, I'm like the fight's over. That's it. He got him. That like once he has your legs like it's over. And he did it at the end of the first round. And you're right. I felt like he almost wanted to feel how hard this guy could hit. Like he wanted to know, you know, he let, he, he stood there and he traded with him a little bit. Then he was like, okay, I found out this guy could hit hard. And then he took him down, wound up his legs. And then he was lucky they ran out of time in the first round. And then when yeah. happened the second round, I was like, there's three and a half minutes left. This guy doesn't have a chance. It's over. It's over. And then it was over. Sean? I mean, I was surprised. I think part of what happened is I don't think Gaethje expected Khabib to be moving forward the whole time because he just kept pressuring him, which is the exact opposite of what you would think you would do against a guy that hits that hard. 
And uh, I think uh, Khabib caught him a couple times stand up, but it's, it's a lot easier to hit a guy when he's scared to death you're going to take him down because, you know, every time he would faint, Gaethje's arms are going down to stop the takedown, you know, and so he was able to hit him standing up. And I think Gaethje looked – when he got taken down at the end of the first, Gaethje looked beaten to me. Like, he looked up at his corner when he got taken down. Like, this guy's something else. But I had heard Daniel Cormier tell somebody, man, um, he said they have All-American, Olympic wrestlers, all-world guys come in there and roll with Khabib at um, – a.k.a. And he said everyone is the same thing. It sounds similar to when uh, Tom Erickson first grabs a hold of you. You know, or whatever, yeah. like the way Mitrion told me, he said, like, that – He'll have these all. I mean, there's a video of Khabib destroying some high school all world kid, which I mean, he's a high schooler, but he also won the national championship or whatever. But uh, there's a video online of that on YouTube. Yeah, Khabib video. grabs him. Do you think yeah, that Khabib like, grabs like, him in the kid's face? Is like, holy shit, like, so he grabs him, you know? So whatever, obviously, like, I, obviously, Khabib works, works out and trains, but do you think that kind of like Tom Erickson, Justin Gaethje? I mean, I'm gonna put Matt Hughes in there in some, some, in some way, is like developed, or do you think you're just born with that kind of strength? I think it's both. I think it's a lifetime of doing those positions. I'm kind of like a yeah. bricklayer. A bricklayer would have real strong hands, you know, from constantly handling, you know, bricks or whatever. But um, I think it's it's developed, but it's also a genetic thing because I think those guys would probably be pretty strong even if they weren't wrestling. You know what I mean? It's just a freakish thing. But, uh, yeah, feeling that kind of strength. And I fought the world's strongest man twice. And at moments, he would do something. Like when I would take him down one time, I hit him. It literally felt like a wall. Like I hit him. I was like, holy shit, that dude didn't even move. And then when you go, even I hugged him at the weigh-in, I hug him and it was like, I mean, it felt like a like frozen slab of beef. Like when I hit his back or whatever, like, like, man, this dude is dense, you know, um, or whatever. But it's uh, yeah, those guys are, uh, Khabib's just on a different level, man. He looked like he, he looked like he was toying with Yeshi really. And I never dreamed that would happen. Like he it looked like he could finish it anytime he wanted. It looked like he didn't want to hurt him. I will say that I think when you, he said, uh, somebody in his corner had said he didn't want to break his arm. Uh, that's why he didn't arm bar him. And he stopped at the first round because he said um, he didn't want to hurt him in front of his parents. And I believe when you start – I got to that point in my career, not that I was ever nearly as good as Khabib or even on that level, but I got to a point where I didn't want to hurt guys anymore. Like I tried, try to submit them instead of punch them in the face, you know, and stuff right. like that. And uh, I, that's when you need to quit, man, because you got to be vicious. And there you can't uh, – well, that guy I, will do it to you, man. So I, I fully support this retirement because I also think that Khabib never fought for money. Like I feel like he fought yeah. for like pride. He fought for honor. He fought for his parents. For his but family, for his dad, for money, you know, like when, when you're not fighting for money, and you, you don't need that. I mean, he made a lot of money. I don't know what he made. I'm sure that money. Apparently, he has a lot of money, like five hundred million dollars. I'm just making that number up, but it's a lot of money. So, like, what does he need to Come do? On. I, I'd be surprised if it was. I was over ten. I mean, imagine ten, but five hundred. I think you're. I'm talking about off. total net worth, like everything. I think, I think he's you're accumulating. trumping it up a little bit. We're there. also I talking about ten million in Dagestan is probably like. <laughs> you know, a billion dollars in the U.S. I mean, I don't think rent in Dagestan is that much. Um, uh, so, who knows? Uh, Part of me thinks he'll come back because I think uh, when Khabib knows he can make 20, 10, 20 million a fight, I think it would be hard to turn down the good he could do with that kind of money, especially in Dagestan. You know, like, he's got enough money for him for the rest of his life, but I know I mean, if it were me, and he's not me, obviously, but if it were me and I looked at, man, I can make another 20 million, what could I do with 20 million for others? You know, he seems like he wants to he wants to dedicate his life to helping other people, man. So if uh, if yeah, that were that, but it seemed then, like emotionally he didn't want to be there. You know, like it seemed. Yeah. Like well, that's what, another reason I thought he would lose with his dad dying, man. Stuff like that can mess with you when you're. Well, and he said that he didn't want to fight. He said he didn't want to fight without his dad. You know, yeah. and the, the, so that was it. His dad's gone. The, the, then he's done. He, you know, uh, he he said that. 
So I feel like yeah. that that's right there. But that may over time heal. I feel like this was all connected. Like this is all kind of a singular event. The loss of his father, part of the training into this fight. I feel like it was all connected. So for him, I, I to me, it seemed like the fight was the conclusion to this episode that included leaving his, losing his father to COVID-19. And so maybe in a year or two, when those events have kind of, you know what I mean, you get over that emotional roller coaster, I think maybe he would be, might be ready to fight again, you know? Uh, Wendo, what are your thoughts? Well, prior to the fight, I went back and watched Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson. And I noticed with Justin Gaethje, as the fight progresses, after each round, he his whole body turns a darker shade of red. And after the first round of uh, Justin versus Khabib, Justin's entire body was already like dark red. So I was like, all right, maybe he did a big <laughs> adrenaline dump in the first round. Maybe he was panicking too much. But I knew right after that first round, like Sean said that, all right, he's going to have a tough time now. But with Khabib, I think it's a, I think it was a beautiful retirement. I think he will be back in the future, maybe a year or two. I just think he needs time to mourn the loss of his father. But at the Great. same time, there's something very beautiful. Just thinking like Khabib, greatest fighter of all time. And he retires undefeated and then goes back to Dagestan to become like a sheep herder. You know what I'm saying this is like wander the mountains of dagestan herding sheep and you know the kids come up to him they ask him are you really are you the eagle khabib Nurmagomedov? this is like 50 years in the future and he says when i once was or something like, like that. this is and a then, weird porn that you're gonna get into you know that's anyway, that's, so, that's what i believe it's right. not this isn't cb <laughs> all right so we got, will be like greatest i, I came life. in at the best time so we got tall steve here okay so we got a guy steve how tall are you? Six foot seven, six eight, six nine? Six, six foot eight. Six God foot eight. damn. So it's undefeated, not just a clever name. Undefeated fighter from Bellator. He's seven and oh. This dude kicks ass. Uh, he won his last fight. You said it was going to be your toughest fight, but this is like the only fight I watched you where you didn't get rocked and make a momentous comeback. <laughs> um, congratulations, man. Uh, how do you feel? Pretty good. Um, yeah, so we worked really hard for the, the outcome to be the way it did. So, uh, you know, I'm just really happy that, that my training paid off and that I was able to you know, execute something I've been practicing for a long time. I'll tell you what I didn't like was Bellator said you're on the undercard. So I watched the whole undercard. Then they put you <laughs> on the main event. Uh, didn't tell me when you were fighting. Uh, and then did they even tell you when you were fighting? Yeah. So um, it's interesting you ask. So, like, we tried to time the warm-up. Um, actually, I tweet something about, like, the warm-up, uh, like, and how I usually do it for this fight. Uh, my warm-up for sparring is usually much lighter and much shorter. So, I was like, you know what? Let's try that. Let's not do anything crazy. So, we did. We timed it so that our warm-up started right – it was two fights before us, and then it was going to end as the fight before us was walking out. So, the fight before us had ended. And, you know, we just hit our, you know, whatever. Like, we're just starting to cool down. With the the event coordinator was you know walking towards our uh, our our tent or whatever, and I'm expecting him to say, "All right, come with me, then we go." Uh, but he was like, "So Patricky's out. He was the second fight of the main card." <laughs> so we all stood there dumbfounded, looking at each other. Yeah, you know, it didn't really register at first what he meant. And then um, we basically had an hour and a half to just sit down and chill out, wait for my fight to come. Wow. That's oh, you're so tall, you make that sheep look like a little dog. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, he is like the nicest guy. So I post videos of like my daughter, you know, in class. He watches like almost all of them in comments like, oh, oh that boy was... I don't fuck with you. 
whenever your daughter's on, I'm like, yes, let's see where this goes. But it was like, it's so cute. He's like, oh, she's got cancer with this time. So when he's on TV, I'm like, my wife, hey, this is the guy that always comments on Violet's, <laughs> Violet's videos. Like, <laughs> whenever she's like dancing and stuff, I'm like, yes, baby girl, get your groove on. Oh, it's it's a cute, it's like this like tall giant man like watching a two-year-old. It, I mean, it sounds creepy what I'm telling you right now. But I was gonna like, say, these words aren't coming out very well. No, but it's super cute and sweet. So, uh, so Steve, now you were at the Black Zillions, that became something else. What is it, do you guys keep moving on the block? Like what, what, what? What camp are you in now? Yeah, basically. Um, well, it's the same, you know, essentially the same group of people and coaches. We just, uh, you know, we've had a few partnerships come and go. Um, but right now, you know, we've landed with Sanford MMA, or rather Sanford Health, which became the iteration that it is today, Sanford MMA. So who, who are guys that you do our train with? Um, Linton Vassell. We have Online Song. We're the ones, you know, mainly like the three of us pushing each other the most. But you know, some other up and coming guys that you probably haven't heard about or guys that um, are doing their thing in the amateur scene, but, you know, they're like dipping their toes into the pros, coming and helping us out. Um, it's been a good thing. Yeah. yeah. No, when I posted a picture of me and you, Stefan Struve said, who the fuck is that guy? Uh, yeah, that's my dude. I get, so like I can only imagine you guys training together. That's crazy. That must have been nuts. Yeah, for a long, for a long time. Um, I met Stefan actually. I thought I told you this at some point already, but I guess not. So um, back in the day when Jared Rochal fought Stefan Struve, um, he, Jared Rochal's team brought me in as a sparring partner. And um, I went right from Texas because they were team takedown at the time. And I flew to Black, the Black Zillions. I was dating a girl in Fort Lauderdale. And, uh, you know, I found out they were close. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to the Black Zillions and check it out. So, um I went in, I trained with Henry. Henry, you know, gave me the invite to come back. I met Stefan that day. And then, um, you know, whatever, after Stefan fought, I, you know, made the full-time move to Florida. Stefan and I became really close friends, you know, really, we really good chemistry as training partners. Um, I worked as corner. I worked as corner when we fought Alexander Volkov. Just funny how that shit goes down, right? That's crazy. Now, you also train with both Usman uh, and Gilbert Burns. Uh, give mm -hmm. us a scoop. Who wins that fight? Man, both good dudes, both good fighters, both, you know, wonderful people. Uh, it's going to be a fucking awesome fight. Oh, come on, people. Yeah, uh, I'm McCorkle here. McCorkle, you're a guy. You're six foot six, right? Yeah, and I fall step. It's true, unfortunately. Yeah, so it's uh, – I want to ask him, uh, how much does it suck trying to buy clothes and shoes? And can you, uh, like uh, – Verify for the people listening, it's no fun being 6'7 or 6'8. People say all the time, man, I'd love to be your size. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. You want to be my size until it's time to fly, drive a car. I was going to say, until you're flying coach. <laughs> yeah, do anything at all that requires, like, a, get on a roller coaster, anything. It sucks. So. Uh, I mean, I, I do like being 6'8, but, yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm double XL tall, but, like, I have the, the frame of somebody that's probably only, like, a regular large or an extra large. Uh yeah, so finding clothes and shoes sucks sometimes. Um, the stuff you find in the stores usually looks ugly or doesn't fit. The stuff you find yeah. online is <laughs> shit. I just went to a wedding over the weekend, and having all my shit fitted for that was like probably 150 bucks more expensive than it should have been. But I don't know. Other than that, I I fucking love being tall. Yeah, but you must. Uh, <laughs> the girls probably want to blow. They walk right up to your cock. I mean, that's gotta be cool, right? Like some chick just like accidentally hits just around teabag in the world. No. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, but usually by the time they, you know, make their opening 
pick up line I, I can't hear it so it, it's all lost <laughs> right of course of course of course now you look great your knees looked amazing by the way uh Thank you. <laughs> do you moisturize what do you no, do his, what makes dude you should have seen him he need this guy in the fucking head oh. like six times it was it was a thing of beauty um he was hurt like after the second knee you could tell it did you know it was gonna be over yeah um I mean, it was one of those things. So we, we talked to the ref in the back and, you know, he did a really good job of, uh, of explaining like, well, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I want to see. If, if the fight's ending, if you're hurt, if the other guy's hurt. Um, so, you know, props to him. I, he was just doing his job, but uh, you, you can see it if you really pay attention, but, you know, me being not even two feet away from the guy after it happened, I can see that he was hurt, you know, like, He's, he was looking over here and his legs were like splayed out the other way and his arms were like kind of all, you know, whatever, all wonky. And I knew he was, you know, on Queer Street. But uh, I heard the ref say to him, because, you know, I turned to look at the ref to see if like that was it. But I heard the ref as I'm turning to look at him say, Sean, I need to see something happen. And I knew that he was going to give him a little bit of time. So I was, I was like, no, I'm putting the stamp on this thing. I'm coming home with two paychecks. No, nah, dude, that was so impressive, man. Uh now this this Thursday, I'm happy. Actually, I actually like Bellator going to Thursday nights because they have no competition. I think it's a fun night to actually watch it. And um, now this week, Diego Lima is taking on Musasi. Who do you like in that fight? Look, Musasi. He's um, a stud competitor. He got it done the last time. Whenever he he had the whatever the guy come up to him, I think skill set wise, he has something to offer Lima that. I don't know if he's faced in a while. And it's not that I don't think Lima's up to snuff. It's just that I think Musasi is so skilled and technical everywhere. Got so it. I like, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Musasi, but man, if Lima went in there, I got it done. I wouldn't be surprised. I hope Lima wins. He said like, he's been around for a while. He's a good dude. Yeah. And he's, he's a beast, man. I, I love what Lee, how Lima's look like. We're seeing this more and more now guys kind of like in that age range of like 31 to 36, like really finding the rhythm, like not just, um, not just athletically, but, you know, like mentally you find they're just hitting a groove and stuff. And I think Lima is like a real testament to that. Now, how far are you from like a legitimate title shot, you think? Um, I mean, I couldn't honestly tell you. I'd be grateful with whatever Bellator told me. Probably, I would think at least at least two more fights, but. Yes, you're too nice, man. You got to go out. You're just a nice guy. You got to. No, nah, that's you. realistic. I like you being realistic. Yeah, I don't think he should be like, I'm the best in the world. Fuck everybody. I'll teabag the whole. I mean, you know, <laughs> just go out there. And I mean, I'm coming for it. Don't get me wrong. Anybody they put in front of me, I'm going to take out. But uh, you know, for the time being, I'm, I'm going to be honest and realistic. Um, I'm taking my time, having fun, and I'm, I mean, I'm grateful to live the life that I do. So I think I'm. I really think I'm part of the like, like 10 percent of the world that really does wake up and do what they love every day. And you know, I mean, I'm just going to ride that out until the wheels fall off. That's awesome. Who do you uh, live with? So uh, you met him at your last show in Miami. Uh, Tom Gormley, he was one of my main training partners. Uh, another guy, Dylan O'Sullivan, he just went pro. He's 1-0 as a professional now. And then we have another guy. He's a UFC waterweight, Takashi Sato. He had his last fight. Yeah. Um, I want to say when all the when all the Vegas stuff started, he, he had like a 55-second knockout. He looked sensational. So it's the so. four of you guys. You guys live in a fighter house. You guys, are, you guys are in Florida. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty badass. What are your thoughts on guys that do talk a lot of smack, like the Colby Covingtons or the Dylan Dennis's, the, like those guys? Well, so, you know, we, we, you kind of um, – the 
along the spectrum of people that talk shit, you know, there's people that that are really fun to listen to and, and watch. And then you have people like Colby Covington and Dylan Dennis who are just Dylan Dennis is just like, I mean, man, I really respect his ability and his skill set. Um, but like the shit talking is lost on me. And then like Colby Covington, I could probably, you know, in my drunken stupor over the weekend, I went on like a 45 minute rant about, you know, marketing and self-marketing and, you know, like, um, being able to put on a show, being able to sell yourself. Um, and you know, the condensed version of that is just that with Colby Covington, I really do think that he started off as a halfway decent dude. Um, that was just, you know, trying to make a living in, in a world where the sport is just about getting eyes on you. But, um, you know, he kind of lost me. Like, I really think he, he kind of Rick flared himself and became the character he was trying to portray, you know, like, I, I really didn't like, we talked about on the last time you had me on, um, he was, you know, saying some, some stuff that even if you are joking is, you know, a little too, a little too racy. Um, you, you heard about the thing that Jorge Masvidal said with like the not paying his coach. Um, and I mean, I'm not, I wasn't, you know, there for any of the shit that happened. So I can't honestly corroborate or not corroborate, but like, if all this stuff is true, it's, it's kind of like, all right, man, like <laughs> if that's really who you are, then like, why the fuck do you need to act like you're somebody that's super fucking annoying in your, in your interviews, whenever you can just be a douchebag, you know, Joe, I got to talk to you. What's up? Last week's in the books. It's, it's gone, but now is the time to review the tape and prepare for this week. There is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes up for grabs. How cool is that? And if you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, it's underneath the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. And... For everyone who's looking forward to this week's UFC 254, which is us, okay, be sure to check out DraftKings MMA Contest. How cool is that? UFC 254 with DraftKings. Here's your call to action. Download the DraftKings app now and use code ROASTED. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week seven action, okay? Enter code ROASTED to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code ROASTED, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. There's a minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Greg, uh, McCorkle, want to weigh in? I have a question for you. Listen, man, guys like you, super tall dudes like you, somehow always wind up dating girls that are like five foot. Right? (laughs) Like they see you and they just see a genetic opportunity to even out or some right. shit. They're like, and I, I have know a bunch for of a fact that it kids. pisses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they want normal sized kids. They're like, okay, if I date the fucking six eight guy, we have kids, then our kids will be five nine and it'll be six foot, it'd be nice and even. And yet tall girls, you know, they don't they don't go for short guys. So they <laughs> hate it when they see the little girls taking all the tall dudes. Do you find yourself winding up with these short girls too? I mean, I've been all over the spectrum. Um, what do you prefer? Uh, I'm with a girl now I really, really like. 
and she's five four. So not, you know, obviously not like. <laughs> so she's. Not, she's. I mean, five four for a girl is like, is like five eleven for a dude. So not like, obviously not gargantuan, but like a decent sized person. Um, but no, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I have kind of been all over the place. Um, dated girls that were like six foot. Uh, dated a girl for a while that was uh, just pushing five feet. So. <laughs> what was that? Like? She, she, she's got a nice button. She's nice to me. I can make just about anything work, right? <laughs> Have you been uh, trading with Anthony Johnson? Yes. Um, so he's somebody. He's like, he's dipping his toes back in the water, and he's, you know, as as the months progress, you know, we're talking about his comeback, he's, you know, assimilating himself more, and um, he's somebody that I train a lot with, you know, for this last fight. So I, I mean, I should have said him earlier. I guess he's somebody. What's that like? But, I mean, yeah. Sparring wise, are you nervous sometimes? Yes, absolutely. When I moved down here, um, that was Anthony Johnson at the height of his powers, right? That was Anthony Smith. I want to say the first fight I helped him get ready for was Ryan Bader, I think. Oh God! Like, and you know, I mean, we all saw that, and um, the the consensus was that you know Bader was probably the better wrestler, but you know if Rumble could keep it on the feet, Bader was you know screwed. And then, I mean, we all remember the fight. Bader shot from, you know, half an octagon away, got put on his face and knocked out cold. So um, that was back whenever I first moved here. Whenever I first moved to the Black Zillions, all I really had to offer my teammates was good wrestling, good jiu-jitsu. My stand-up was just not the level it's at now. So um, you have to imagine every day coming in against a guy who knew how to neutralize good grapplers, but, you know, had a really high-level striking acumen and you know, just every day was get, the first time I ever got really put down in sparring, like really boom, put on the floor with a strike was Anthony Johnson hit me with an overhand and boom, like buckled my ass. So um, yeah, that, that like perpetuated for the rest of what happened. Like, I mean, did you get up time. and people, has that, everyone in the gym run over to you? Like, are you okay? Or do you just, no, you, fuck like, no. Everybody else is fighting for their lives. They didn't care about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Henry Hoof was, uh, Henry was watching, you know, he was, Henry, you know, really took like a shine to me really early on, which I'm really grateful to say. Um, but, you know, like I said, Anthony Johnson, I want to say was, was getting ready for his own fight. So he really had his eye on, you know, what was going on. I want to see what was happening. Uh, I threw a, a kick and my hand was down and he threw an overhand that like just touched at the same time. And I folded up like a lawn chair, boom. And it was like, I didn't go out or anything, but I, I remember getting hit and then I was on the floor I and I like looked that. up and looked, I looked up and looked around and I was, oh, okay, I got dropped. And I was like, so I gave myself a couple seconds and then I stood up and Henry was like, that's what the fuck I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I was just trying not to die and Henry's hyping my ass up. So I was like, you know what, whatever, I'll take it. I like about that, that's right? Good. So I'm, I'm taking fight camp now. It's like, it's like online workout thing. And they say when you throw kicks, you're supposed to kind of, uh, or two things, you're supposed to use your hand and then kind of use it as momentum. But I'm like, aren't you leaving your face wide open? Yeah, uh, that, this system that I've learned with now um, is chin down, hands up, arms outstretched. Yeah, kind of out, kind of like out in front of your face, like you're stiff. Oh, okay, okay. So you still with, without without, without without using your fingers out, obviously because that's illegal. But you know, kind of like one of those. It just seems like if you when you throw either those kicks and you wind up with your arm, your hand, you're leaving yourself exposed. Now they're saying lean back to get yourself out of harm's way, but if somebody has real long arms, can't they just catch you? Yeah, and um, so I, I was teaching kickboxing for Henry for um, – I went from a guy who didn't know how to kickbox at all to a guy that, you know, he hired to teach his kickboxing class. Uh, so 
Uh, one thing that I taught students, especially the ones that came from like other gyms doing you know, Muay Thai or whatever, especially when I saw that was the guys that throw their arms down, like, yeah, we'll look in, especially in a MMA or kickboxing. Um, if they time your kick, they're going to step in with a punch. That's just good counter. That's just, you know, good counterfighting. And uh, the, the other thing would be that if you, if you lean back, it's kind of like the front two wheels on your car going forward and the back two wheels going backwards. You're, you're sending oh, your momentum. Yeah. Yeah. So direction. just keep your hands up. And you throw a kick. Right. It, it kind of, kind of like, you know, you take a wrestling shot, if your head goes like this, but the rest of your body goes like this. Well then yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're not generating the force you need to, you know, take somebody off their feet and put them on the floor. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, listen, so Steve, where can people follow you? People can find me on Instagram at tall Steve fights people. They can find me on Twitter at tall Steve MMA. I heard a chuckle. I, can, I always appreciate getting a good chuckle out of that. Um, you can find me on, I think I have a Facebook page uh, that probably like only my aunt follows or something, but no, dude, you're, 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 first of all, you're, you're awesome. I remember like first hearing your name. Cause I was like, Rashad, who did you train with for the fight? He's like, well, there's a guy named tall Steve. And it's just like, it was so hilarious. Like you're tall Steve and like, that's your nickname and you're tall. But you honestly, you're seven and oh, I think you're, you, you, the sky's the limit. You obviously super smart. You're what, a black belt jitsu? I'm a brown belt under Gilbert Burns. Brown belt under Gilbert nice. Burns, like a black belt under anyone else. You got great wrestling. Your fucking striking's coming along. I think you're the future, man. So uh, I appreciate that, Adam. I, I, I appreciate you. Anything else, uh, Sean? You want to say to Tall Steve? Yeah. yeah who's that? Uh, who's the the former WWE guy that's in Bellator now, the heavyweight? I don't remember his name. Um, Dan Kager. Have you got any, any chance that he's going to fight him or call him out or anything? Because I I was always about fighting the least skilled guy with the biggest name. Like I <laughs> I try to fight West End repeatedly. Like whoever that's was smart the most strategy. Famous, that's just good and, marketing. Uh, the least skilled. So yeah, um, I mean, I I really feel like. I don't, I don't know. I feel like, so you're know, the competitor in me wants to beat the best guys at the best time, but uh, the moneymaker in me is like, give me the biggest check for the, for the smallest amount of work. Right. Yeah. Uh, so no, um, Jake's a good dude. Uh, I mean, I met him before. I know his coach actually. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm not talking shit, but honestly, if th- this is probably the shit talk you still ever hear out of me. Um, Jake, I think is, is still finding his feet in MMA and you know, I'm, uh, eight no all finishes you know I just fought a tough guy a champion of a different promotion that's not a fight that makes sense for me right now that's not me saying that he's not going to get there and that's not me saying he doesn't have the, the physical ability or the skill set to maybe get there one day but he's not on my radar honestly he's got to learn is to he a real big guy I don't, I don't know anything about him is he no well he's got to learn to let go after he breaks someone's arm he, people tap and he keeps the, the hold on the last fight he got in big trouble for that um, is that that is what happened huh? so what he fought that the big fat kid, and then he. What the, was the deal with that? The big fat kid was like uh, who T.J. Brown, I think his name was. I mean, T.J. Water, yeah, was, one of those. That yeah. kid had. Can no you imagine shot. if his Instagram was the big fat kid? Yeah, <laughs> that the big fat kid. But the guy before that, he he like beat up, and the guy tapped, and he wouldn't let go, and the ref had to like throw him off. I think he was like, in my opinion, he was so fired up from having a real fight, and it was his first big win. And he probably just got caught up in the moment and being coming from a pro wrestling background, I could see how you can get too caught up. Uh, but at the same time, somebody taps, let the fuck go. Come on. What, 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 are, we, what are we doing here? Well, um, I have to be an objector to that in saying that uh, I did a grappler's quest years ago and uh, I had to do a naked choke and the ref was behind me 
and I had to choke on real good. And like right when I felt the initial, he did yeah. one of like those, one of those, you know, what I mean, not like a real tap, but not not a tap. And uh, the ref walked around, and luckily the dude, like the dude, really could have ran with it and been a piece of shit. But the ref said, "Oh, what happened?" He didn't even realize that he tapped. So um, from that point on, I'd kind of taken a um, wait till the ref pulls you off. No, I think, but I think the ref did pull him off, and he kept it on. Like I, I think, it was, yeah, it, it wasn't like the ref didn't stop it. It was. I remember there was a controversy attached to that too. So yeah. I, I would have to go back and watch it again. Um, what, what wasn't it an arm triangle or something like that? It was. So, it was something. It was. It, yeah. It was something yeah. where you're just like, come on, dude. But I could, I could see in your first look. The reason why they shouldn't put people in their first fight in Bellator is because your first fight should be in an LFA or something with it. And then by the time your eighth fight, is going from, <laughs> you know, when you get to a point or Titan, right? When you get to that point, I think people just, they, they like flip out. They don't under, it's right. that it's too big. It's the, the moment's too big. Um, I'm having such a good time talking to you that I, I don't want to chew up too much of your time, but I'm having a good time talking to you, but the, the era that I came from that like, as I was, you know, coming up in the amateurs and stuff, you tighten an LFA, you know, they're the second step you had. Um, oh, right. Right. Whenever, yeah. when, I was, when I was an amateur, uh, I was, I was the heavyweight champion as an amateur for two different promotions. Um, and those were the, you know, kind of the people that you made your, your climb up through. Right. Yeah, so no, you, of course there's like XFC. So, there's stuff to XFC. Yeah. I had gliders in the cage. I had pinnacle. I had, uh, right. 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 Of course. But um, where does Brave so, fit into that? <laughs> Brave is, I guess, Brave is signing talent. I have um, Phil Haas who trains with us, another really good dude. He, um, I want to say he was with Brave, and then he, uh, dude, those, whenever, dude, those, those like Bahrainians have money. Uh, yeah, they do. And uh, they like fighting. They fucking love fighting over there. It's like, um, it's fucking wild. Like the Middle Eastern guys and like the the like Eastern European dudes. It's like they love it over there. I I like. Man, I don't know what I would have done if, like, that was a part of the culture instead of, you know, basketball and football and all that other stuff, you know, like. Yeah, of course. They've been fighting since the Crusades, you know. Uh, oh, for like, real. <laughs> <laughs> like, kind of like, kind of like on your show, how you have like the, the character, the one kid is like, he's like, "What do you mean I can't break his arm?" He's like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm pinned." They, Dude, that kid legitimately like his, his the kid had like came that was I actually coached that kid in real life. Kid was on crutches on my wrestling team. Kid was literally on crutches. And his dad, they're from Chechnya, was like, he's fine. I'm like, he can't walk. He's like, <laughs> he's like, no, no, he's good. He's good. I'm like, all right. Like, like it's a different mentality over there. Like, uh, it's different. Yeah. You it's, know, it's so I did a sports psychology thing. And if, if I'm taking up too much time, you let me know. But no, our, uh, uh, Corey Peacock, our strength coach, um, Corey Peacock, our strength coach, uh, had us had us do a sports psychology survey for the university he works at. And the, the intrinsic motivation for fighters was based in like three different things, but the three things varied amongst, um, they varied amongst largely your, your, your nationality, your culture, your heritage. So they found that Americans mostly fought for, you know, the vanity of it all. Uh, people from like, I forget which subcult, which culture it was, but it was for money. But then the, the Eastern Europeans, the Russians, those guys fought because they just liked fucking people up. Like they wanted to, they wanted to inflict pain on people. And I think, I think that you have to have all three of those intrinsically a little bit to be able to, you know, fucking get into a cage and fight people. 
But um, I really do feel like the more Russians I meet, you know, I've, I've trained with a handful of really skilled Russians um, and, you know, the, the Eastern Bloc dudes and, the, you know, whatever Middle Eastern guys. And that really is, it seems like for me, the culture, like they just fucking fight and it's part of who they are. And it's, it's to, to be able to beat somebody whose, whose mindset really is just to go into a cage and beat the piss out of somebody is, is, it's just something different. It's not the same as fighting, you know, some fat dude from the, mid- the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, no, it's of course, I, I want that. We were talking about that with, with uh, Khabib. We were just talking about that, like him retiring and how it's like, it's not like Mayweather where you see Mayweather blowing all his money and he's like, fuck, I got to pick up 30 million. So I'll fight. Like, I, we, we think it's a different thing where it's like, he's, he's done fighting because he doesn't like, what's the point right now for him to fight? You know, he, he it's not, money isn't the motivation. It's pride and respect and honor. And he's already accomplished that. Right. So, I think, and, and like, so I'm at a wedding and the main event is, you know, that fight is ending as the wedding's beginning. And luckily, maybe a minute before the ceremony started, the, the fight had ended. Um, and, you know, whatever, like I, I watched, I watched a clip of the finish and, you know, I mean, whatever the, the ceremony is starting. And um, my friend who was like actually watching it, like on TV, texted me and said could be retired and i was like what so um you know whatever the ceremony finishes and i go online i'm already drinking i'm already emotional and like i'm reading you know everything about it and could be like i read the speech and the all that other stuff and you know said like yeah look like i promised my mom i wasn't gonna fight anymore like my dad my dad passed away i just you know whatever like want to put a bow on it and um i got really emotional like i couldn't help but i couldn't help but kind of um I don't know, I guess put myself in his shoes in the sense that like, not that I've accomplished anywhere near what Khabib's accomplished, but I guess I could kind of commiserate with the fact that like, he was like, hey, look, I came everything I did here to do. Um, Fighting's really difficult. It's not something that, you know, people are innately programmed to do. So, um, you know, he, he finished up. He did everything there was to do. He beat like the legacy that he's left behind. And I know that the debate between him and John Jones is like, is, is raging on strong but if we're talking about like his actual like legacy the people he beat and when he did it and how he did it is like is rivals the best of them so um i got really emotional and thinking like I, just how like i guess jealous of him or whatever or how happy i was for him that he was able to do what he did and like you know his dad passed away and he was still able to fucking turn around got it out beat a really really tough dude probably the number two guy at the time um and right off into the sunset on a win promise can he can Fucking honestly, sit back. He can leave the cage, take his gloves off, call his mom, tell her like, "Hey, I won. I'm never gonna fight again." And that's that's fucking beautiful. You couldn't write a story better than that. You know what I mean? One thousand percent. Well, listen, Tall Steve, you're the fucking man. Got to get you back on the show. Uh, of course. Can't wait, can't wait for your next fight. Uh, you gotta give me. You gotta give me a, a real seat spot. You can't have me on for these fucking little ten minute clips here, huh? One thousand percent. One thousand percent. And take care, brother. I will. Thank you, guys. Thank Jeez. you. Take care. That was tall Steve. Good dude. Yeah. Fucking smart guy. Jesus. Uh, Seems very, very uh, normal, down to earth, grounded. I mean, it, you know, not like some of the, the, the looser <laughs> screws. That we got to get Hector on. Lombard next to me. We got to get Lombard on right like, before the election. Like the day before. Uh, get Lombard and get uh, um, the guy we used to have on the show with us here for a minute. Uh, Dang. <laughs> What's it? Shang and Lombard. No, 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 no. The, the fighter guy. I don't know. His name's escaping Wait, me now. All of a sudden. 
No, you know, Cuckoo Nut. He's back in jail. Mayhem. 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 Yes. Yes. Uh, so people ask me, I've, I've not talked to Mayhem directly, but I've talked to people who've talked to him in jail. He's doing much better. He's writing me a letter. He feels really bad about shit that went down. Sounds like he's in a great place, honestly, mentally. Uh, that's good. Down. So that's all I know. Uh, well, and we wish nothing but the best for him and always have. I mean, you've you've always done so much just to try and give him an outlet, you know? So, you know, Sober nothing mayhem. but the best for man. Sober mayhem is unbeatable. Uh, you know, it just shows you how we really have to- Even by out. mayhem. We, we have to figure, yeah, we have to figure out how to solve this fucking drug epidemic. I, I really think I've lost so many friends during this epidemic, during this lockdown to drugs. Uh, I mean, I've lost, I've lost them physically, people that went to rehab, who went to jail. It's, it's it, the, the drug culture is, is probably the worst problem I think in America. And uh, we got to figure out, and it's not, not just like crack or Coke, we're talking about like Oxycontin and, and people that abuse Adderalls and you know, all that stuff. And the problem is, is that these doctors are giving them to people and then all of a sudden say, stop taking them when they're addicted. You know, yeah, uh, they just had, yeah, they basically just had them heroin and a needle and go, all right, don't go crazy. <laughs> and then that's it. I mean, you know, and there's no follow up. There's no monitoring. They're just like, all right, I'm going to give you all of this. You remember, you just take one at a time, you know. I mean, that's I mean, like giving a fat kid a, a whole bakery and being like, okay, just eat one cookie at a time. It's like, not going mean, to happen. Look, I, look, obviously, there's some self-responsibility that people have to have for when they the stuff, you know, so it's not all the doctors. But at the same time, it's like this was really, really bad uh, for people that have had substance abuse. This, this, and not to mention people were getting unemployment. So now you're getting paid to stay home and do drugs uh, or not to do drugs. People that were anyway, that's a whole other fucking topic. Uh, I was gonna say I don't think that's quite the way the equation was. I'm not even. I have to think about this. All right. So Nate Diaz. Let's talk about Nate Diaz. Tweeted out recently after the fight, saying none of these guys know jujitsu. Uh, Poirier, Gaethje, McGregor. He goes, I ain't eating this shit up like y'all. Uh, then he said that uh, white belt. I don't know if he was talking about Poirier, or I mean, I don't know if he was talking about uh, Khabib or Gaethje. And then he wrote 29 and one. So that was, that was Nate's response to uh, the whole thing. Um, was, him, was that him trying to call out Khabib in some way? <laughs> it seems like it. And the, I mean, the 29 and one seems like that's what he's referring to. Yeah, you know what? Sign me up, because I'll watch that. <laughs> but, I mean, the Diaz brothers aren't exactly, I mean, not that they don't know their jujitsu, not that they don't have it, but it's not really what they're known for. No, they are. Are you kidding? That's, that's what they are. I mean, they don't always use it, but they're insane in jujitsu. Yeah. I, again, I'm not saying that they don't have it. I'm saying that's not what they're known for using. They're known for their stand-up, for taking punches, for swinging, for trading leather, for getting their faces all chopped up. That's but what they're, they're known for. Both. Their jiu-jitsu is, like, next level. Uh, but at the same time, uh, they're just also just incredibly tough people. Uh, and they're just like, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know. That, that fight makes no sense. To have Khabib come back and fight Nate Diaz, I'm sure monetarily it makes sense. But uh, it doesn't make sense. He just lost. He's coming off a loss to Masvidal at 170. So I don't, I'm not really sure what. But fuck it, right? Um, and then uh, Kevin Lee, his take was, if that's your career, it's a shame you didn't get to fight someone coming forward that isn't afraid to wrestle. I'll be here when you return. 
So uh, that's Kevin Lee's oh. take. I love oh. the way everyone waits till the guy retires to take a shot. Yeah. It's like, oh, you retired? Oh, you, because you're afraid of me. That's why you, that's like, <laughs> that's like waiting for the guy to leave the bar. They'd be like, he's lucky he fucking left. I was going to fucking show him what's what. <laughs> what's up, people? The wait is finally over. Football is back. Look, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today. I start off by wagering on win, division, and championship futures today. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Well, Kevin Lee's also coming off a loss. Uh, but you know what? Another guy who, uh, Kevin Lee, another amazing fighter. He's, got, he's getting a new tattoo, though. Uh, you can find it on, on your Instagram. You guys, uh, by the way, I'll, I'll make it so that you could, you could share. Uh, if you could find it, Ween Dog. This Kevin Lee's Instagram? Yeah, I can't just even describe this tattoo. Um, my, I, I mean, you know, McCorkle knows about bad tattoos. Uh, I was as bad as a Nazi eagle that you didn't know was a Nazi eagle? Yeah, he got a Nazi eagle. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. All right. So, All right. Oh, I love that. Oh, the buildup's fantastic. Yeah. You got to see this it. one. All right. So this is Kevin Lee. Uh, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Oh my god! Wait, is, is this that... real? <laughs> yeah, he's really getting that. Uh, what is that? Is that the? Trump I ball? believe it's an aerial view of a future tracked development. <laughs> it looks like a level from <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, like or Donkey Kong or something. Yeah, Donkey Kong, classic Donkey Kong. Uh, I think it's several thousand dollars in removal fees later. That's what it looks like to me. Is that the Trump wall? Uh, <laughs> I think it's a hot air balloon. <laughs> the comments. Uh, <laughs> what do is it? I don't, I mean, the, it's one thing to have something that you're like, oh, I can't believe you got that. But this is like, what is it? Well, I hope I don't at least know what it is. Paid for that. <laughs> I hope Kevin didn't pay for it. Um, yeah, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> is this supposed to be like a crown or something? I'm telling uh, you, it's an aerial view of a future housing development. <laughs> <laughs> like they That's haven't nice built the houses yet, but they've planned the streets. <laughs> McCorkle, uh, is this a good idea? Yeah, I, yeah, dude, I, man. I know they can remove tattoos now, but I would probably think that one through at least overnight, you know? like uh, <laughs> Maybe just, you know, like, I don't know, just give it a little bit of time, you know, don't do anything emotionally. At least yeah. overnight. Uh, yeah. So speaking of bad tattoos, Josh Barnett beat that guy he was fighting. Remember the guy with all the tattoos on his face? Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, Barnett won in bare knuckle boxing. It's uh, almost like the tattoos don't help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking, I, I would think harder about getting that tattoo than I would think about buying one of the plots on the tattoo. Uh, like, you know I mean? like, I spend more time thinking so, about should I get that tattoo than should I invest in that property at obviously yeah. diagrams. You want to get in on this subdivision now. They, right. they, it's, <laughs> it, on the ground floor, you get a great deal on a nice three-bedroom, two-bed. You just spot right behind his ear. 
I mean, it's a bigger, <laughs> it's a bigger mistake calling out Khabib or getting that tattoo. I mean, what do you think uh, on Kevin Lee? So, tattoo. No, uh, Ween Dog. Well, I was going to uh, say the tattoo he definitely has yeah. to live with. <laughs> uh, on YouTube, I, I posted the video of the Josh Barnett fight. Uh, we could post a little bit of highlights of this. I'm sure we'll get taken down. But, but on your Twitter? He, uh, yeah, on my Twitter. So Barnett, you know, I was worried about his bare knuckle boxing. He fought the KSW champion. I guess they now have a bare knuckle boxing degree. Is that what you fought, right, KSW? KSW, man, they're awesome. That that is those guys over there that own it are bright, man. They uh, there was twenty five thousand people at each show I did. You know, they've got a wow. They've got a lot of experience. I guess they were in TV production before they even got into fighting to start their own fight promotion. But they've got pulling. It's weird because. When you're over there, they'll tell you things like, this guy's like your vanilla ice. Like, they always compare everyone as someone's Polish something. So, this guy told me, this ring announcer told me he was like the Polish Wu-Tang Clan. And I was like, <laughs> just you yourself? And he's like, yeah, I'm like the Polish Wu-Tang Clan. I was like, dude, that's that's impressive. You know, like, I, even if <laughs> that's it's just the, the joke. Polish that's version. the joke in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, the, he, he was the actual. Uh, they said that Pujanowski's brother was like the Polish Paris Hilton mixed with vanilla ice. No They said way. like... Uh, like if they said like he's a joke so, nationwide, so he I guess. sucks. Yeah, but I was like, I was like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Vanilla Ice is much of an insult anymore. He's kind of kind of cool, but well, I saw him in concert recently, uh, like a year ago. I remember that. Yeah, I remember you posting it. He did Ice Ice Baby, and then he did uh, he just did karaoke basically. Uh, huh. but I guess it's, okay. So here's Josh Barnett's fight last week. Uh, he looked good. I mean, I I guess the other guy basically tells you where to hit him based on his tattoos. But he just um, I mean, so I mean, you just you just tape your hands. So you put on the tape, but no gloves. Yeah, but then also elbows are, are like legal in this. Nice. So bare knuckle boxing and elbows, as if bare knuckle boxing wasn't. But no, but no kicks and no wrestling. Yeah. Weird. So, there's that elbow. You're right there. Bar Barnett's like the only guy that can get off his UFC contract anytime he wants. I don't know what's you know UFC normally has you locked up through eternity. Like Josh Barnett can just go do it, fight wherever he wants, wrestle where he wants, do what he wants. I don't know. He must have had a very lenient contract. I mean, he looked good though. Uh, so he took a big shot here in the second round. I guess this guy. Look, this guy is a scary looking dude. Um, uh, but Barnett is even scarier in some ways, even with no tattoos. He he's like he's got those eyes that like. If Barnett wasn't a fighter, he'd be Dexter. He might even still be Dexter. He's got bodies everywhere. Did, did, who, did I tell you, uh, Adam, did I tell you about the time I blew, uh, that I blew, who would I blow? No, I blew um, Barnett off. When yeah, he yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, invite me to train with him. I thought he was just some fan. Man, that was funny. I was like, thanks, man. I like all my fans, but, you know, I really trained my own guys. And, like, he just, he was so bad at me. I didn't know it was actually him. So, so. yeah, dude, Barnett, uh, go Josh, man. This is the best. This might be the the thing for Josh, I, I was nervous because Josh is so known for his grappling. He was never really known for his striking. Uh, but bare knuckle boxing might be his thing, um, along with the other stuff. So, yeah. So, uh, good for Josh. Good for Josh. Awesome. Did he, Kevin Lee, has a new nickname, and that's what the tattoo is going to be about? <laughs> like, where he's going to unveil it? Like, he's going to be the chandelier or, or, or something? Like, yeah. <laughs> Connect four. <laughs> He's going to be Forrest the subdivision. Glenn, the name of the yeah. Forrest Glenn subdivision. <laughs> yeah, bad life. I don't, I don't even Desert know. Desert Palms. <laughs> so, so John, so John, oh Jones, John Jones is very insulted that Colin could be the greatest of all time and not him. Posted a bunch of tweets. But you know what? Listen, he says he has a point. He goes, I fought much better people. Yes, the level of opposition has been better, I believe, than John Jones. 
but he also has been busted for steroids. Once you're busted, I was going to say you. Yeah, you have to take in the the whole the totality of their time in the sport, and his is patchwork at best. Whereas Khabib was a perfect, constant beginning to end domination. But not only that, I mean, he Khabib fought the best guys they put in, in front of him. Number one, yeah, and number two, he once you get tested positive for steroids, it's over. You're not in the conversation anymore. Nobody says well, he's, he's yeah. arguably been beat three times too. You know, so yeah. I mean, you can say he didn't dominate um, several of those guys. You know, there's at least three fights that could have gone either way. The one with um, his last one, I can't remember the kid's name. Dominic about. Reyes, Tiago yeah, Santos. Yeah, Reyes, and then, um, you know, with, um, oh, gosh. I mean, I Tiago right. Santos. Yeah, Tiago Santos, I thought won. I, Augustuson, I mean, too. Still, when I watch it, I think he won. Augustuson, that one. And, and the first Gustafson fight, and I thought it could have gone either way. So, I, I don't think there's any Khabib fight where you could say it could have gone either way. You know? Yeah. Uh, there was one, but that was against, I think, a, back like six eight eight years ago against was that his first fight he had one against a real good wrestler like a gleason something that dude also i think he also got positive did he, did he test positive or maybe he should have all right so now <laughs> uh, robert Whitaker. i'll tell you who impressed me the most is robert whitaker yeah man yeah. you know i forgot how good he was Based on his last two, I know he beat Darren Till, but I didn't think he looked that great against him. And he got dominated by Izzy, but he showed up to fight for this one and looked amazing and uh, good for him. Uh, Man, if he hadn't tried to stand with Izzy, I still think he wins that fight. Like, I don't know what he was trying to prove or what, but his wrestling's phenomenal, man. And he, I, th I thought he could have put Izzy on his back, you know, or put Style Bender on his back or at least threatened it, you know, but to just stand and trade with a guy. I don't understand that mentality, but um, yeah, I think, uh, I think he's the best. Um, at 85, if there is, man, I think he's better than Stylebender. I really do. Wow. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta think that Whitaker's left leg right now is the size of a fucking balloon. I mean, he was taking those that leg those leg kicks, man. Woo! I'll tell you, that other guy though was like out, and he that other guy showed a lot of heart, and he came back in the third and almost uh, almost really hurt Whitaker in the third round. I mean, if that fight would have went longer, I don't know what would have happened. Because the third yeah. round, it looked like he had that guy out. And then he came back. So props to him. Uh, Lauren Murphy won her fight. Super happy. Yeah. Uh, love that girl. Impossible not to like. Stefan Struve, it might be time to. It's time to hang him up, Struve. It's Again. Time to, yeah. It's, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, I'll tell you, Casey Kenny, who we had on the podcast. That, that was a fun fight. That was probably the most fun fight of the whole thing. And he looked great. Casey looked great. Nathaniel Wood looked good. Good for him. Uh, I felt bad for Wal Harris, another guy that I'm just like, you got it. You can't help but root for Wal Harris. But Volkov, yeah. it seems like he just can't get to the next level, Wal. He just can't. He beats guys that he, he, you think he's going to beat. Then that next level, maybe maybe go to a different camp uh, a bit, a bit with better guys or something. It seems like he's like the big guy in that Alabama camp. Um, but uh, nothing but love to Wal. So this week, Douglas Lehman Musasi, Henry Corrales versus Brandon Gertz. That's going to be a good fight. Corrales is a guy that's an awesome fighter, and so is Gertz. He's always a tough guy. Um, also, uh, Ty Gwerder, who's dating your girl, Jesse Jess. He's fighting. Uh, and then Bobby Volker is back. There's a guy, McCorkle, from the Strike Force days. Bobby yeah. Volker, wow. Hasn't fought since 2014. And Nick Newell, our buddy, good old uh, one arm Nick. Who's wow. uh, fucking love Nick Newell? 
Um, he's fighting Zach Zane. I don't know anything about that guy, but uh, good Are for him. Are these Bellator fights? Are these Bellators? Yeah. This is on Thursday fight. night. Thursday night. Thursday. Oh, okay. Fucking I don't know the time. Cool. Fucking, uh, so, yeah, that's a good card. Um, There's the mystery card. fights. They're fighting on the mystery fights. The mystery fight. It's on the mystery network. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you a funny one. Me and James Krause got in a big argument over whether Nick Newell had an advantage or not, not having a full arm. Like Krause kept saying it really is an advantage because you're so not used to it as a fighter that it throws you off and like you, you can't arm bar, you can't, you know, use that arm to do stuff. And I, I was cracking up. We argued about it for hours. I was like, you can't tell me that's an advantage. That has to be a disadvantage. He said, no, man, it really is. It's hard to, you can't do anything on, you can't submit him with that arm. You can't do anything. And he can do different positions normally. You couldn't do if you had both arms. I was like, I thought he was just messing with it. He was dead serious. I guess he's trained with him. Was had rave reviews on him. So you know what? There, there, there was that. There was a a, a wrestler who was national champion wrestler with one leg, and uh, God, oh, I can't remember the guy's name right now. Please look it up for me, uh, Ween Dog. He's awesome because I nothing but I, I had the guy in the podcast for. And the thing was, people were like, thought he had an advantage, right? Because he would have been about like 190 if he had a second leg. Right. Yeah. 135. But he could bench what a guy 190. He could bench like 300 pounds, you know? Anthony Robles. Yep. And then also, the, as a wrestler, you're going for that leg, right? And it's just not there. At the same time, I understand that argument, but this guy has one fucking leg. I mean, right. so. <laughs> And it's not like there's a whole league of people with one legs they can join, you know? Uh, right. And same with Nick Newell. Like, if there was a, a lot of guys with one arm, he could be the champ of that. But, no, he's 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 awesome. So, I understand both arguments. I don't think it's – but it's hard to find it. You can't find the guy to train with that has one leg to prepare for. Right. It's, or, kind of, it's hard to be a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. There, there was another guy. There was a documentary about a guy that had no arms, no legs. That was an MMA fighter. And uh, <laughs> I saw it. like the guy was a decent wrestler, like in high school. I think he was like, you know, like ninety pounds or something. But like the guy, like he was—I mean, he was not the guy's name. Uh, but he—he he had an MMA fight. But the guy, they—but they changed the rules for him. You couldn't like, you couldn't kick him like out of the cage. Like you couldn't just like pick him up and punch him. <laughs> you know, but, like I think, I think that. But could you him. dip him in barbecue sauce? <laughs> the thing is, nobody wanted to fight the guy because imagine losing to a guy that has. Because no he's arms. a chicken nugget. No, but the guy I, re I actually I remember that kid, man, and they almost had him fight at my brother's promotion, Legends of Fighting. They got a guy named uh, Scott um, Blevins who's going to fight him. Blevins is zero and sixteen. Um, and they were going to do it, but the guy with no arms and legs literally said he wasn't going to fight Scott Blevins. He wasn't going to embarrass himself like that. So um, it was kind of sad for Blevins. Well, the, guy, the guy did pretty good. The guy who fought him, I watched the fight, just jabbed him for three rounds. Like, the guy couldn't yeah. get it close to him. Um, but it was actually not an easy fight. The guy the guy was tough, the guy with no arms. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying he wouldn't be. I mean, the guy's showing a lot of grit, and he's making the most of his condition. you got to have a lot of love and respect for that. But they interviewed you know, Dana about it. But they it does Dana. seem outrageous that anyone would sanction – or promote that fight. I mean, come they, on. they actually asked Dana White about it, and then it was like, "No, we can't have a guy with no arms, no like, like, like it's just you know." Come well, on. you know, I mean, I would be all for it if he was fighting another guy with no arms and no legs, you know, on a slip and slide. His name is Kyle what, what, something. Kyle. It's just it, no. It just seems like I don't know. I you mean, think, I, like, I respect I respect like, the effort and the desire, but it's just that come on. But I was I was hoping the guy wouldn't punt it like like you catch a foul ball in the crowd you can catch a person you know imagine like he goes into the you know like do you yes yeah. 
like, do you throw them back? Or, you know, like, what do you do? Like, <laughs> I believe you. I believe you're supposed to tuck them under one arm and then put your arm out like this and try oh, yeah. to score a touchdown. <laughs> what uh, What if they put him up against the guy that killed Harrison Ford's wife in The Fugitive? That seemed like a fair match. Uh, yeah, I The one armed men. Yeah, so at Kyle. least they're somewhat. So this Saturday, Halloween night, uh, Anderson Silva. Okay, now we're on at the real fight. Versus okay. Uriah Hall. Um, I got Uriah Hall in this. Anderson Silva is another guy who I love, but I, I think. But I what is he doing back again? Come on. He's 45 years old. Really? And yes. that's, in, that's in regular years. In fight years, that's like 108. Well, the thing also, he's Brazilian. Like, so, like, even with, remember with Cubans, you never knew their age. Like they like, I'm convinced the guy in the Dodgers was like 67 years old. That guy that was hitting home runs a couple years ago. You know yeah. that guy? Like I think you just like make up an age. Like Yo Romero might be like 90 at this point. Like, like. So I'm not even Romero. Sure. He Romero. So Uriah Hall, dude. I told you when I was at the MMA Awards uh, last year, and Uriah, I was next to Uriah Hall, and everyone thought he was style bender. People kept congratulating him on on like his win. And he kept going like, "Why?" That's the, the most racist shit. Dude, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I had to explain to him. He's like, "Why do people say keep saying congratulations to me?" And I'm like, oh, "Man, like they, they think that you're style bender." And then the look of like annoyance on his face. Like I didn't want to be the guy to tell him that. You know, like it was, it was so fucking awkward. But how do you? Should I have not told him? Should have told him they think Tank Abbott just to see his reaction. I think they think they <laughs> have it. Like, oh, Do you think he grew facial hair because of that? He was like, fuck it, I'm growing a beard. Uh, it was just like, man. Um, so Let me tell you something. Uriah Hall should win this fight, but I feel like if anyone could fuck it up, it would be Uriah Hall. Who do you think? So, who do you, so uh, gun to your head, who wins? Uriah Hall. He should absolutely win. But again, if anyone could fuck it up, it'd be him. Sean? I'd go Anderson Silva, man, just because uh, – he still has his moments there, and Uriah does tend to fold under pressure. Not that this is the most pressure he's been under, but uh, I think Uriah is obviously younger, more explosive, uh, and probably the better fighter at this point, but I'd still say Anderson Silva if I had to go with a bet. Wean Dog? Well, Anderson has won one fight out of his past eight fights, and that one win was over Derek Brunson, which is a very controversial I decision. Wow, I didn't realize that. So, I mean – Anderson Silva, if you count out that Derek Brunson win, his last one before that was Stefan Bonner in 2012. No, that, can't, that doesn't even seem real, dude. That does not that even seem last real. Right this is, yeah, I'm not, well, I'm not counting the Derek Brunson win because it was yeah, so controversial. Was that is eight years ago. So, and he had the Nick Diaz draw. So I'm going to pick Uriah, Uriah Hall, even though. Yeah, people I, thought that Diaz won that fight too. Yeah, so. Um. So, yeah, wow, that's Uriah. crazy. That is a crazy stat right there. Um, wow. Yeah, like, I feel like this fight was made because they thought it was going to be in Brazil, and they thought they were going to sell tickets maybe, uh, you know, because uh, I'm not really <laughs> sure what. So, but I'll tell you what fight I am looking forward to. And I'm looking forward to that fight too. By the way, Uriah Hall is a, such a sweet guy. He came to my, my comedy show, and he's like, I should be mad and offended about all your jokes, but I love them. So like I like that's like my favorite compliment. Um, Andre, Andre, Andre Philly versus Bryce Mitchell. This fight is gonna be an amazing be fireworks. First of all, Bryce Mitchell is a wizard on the ground. Um, yes. Andre Philly has insane stand up and good jujitsu. 
Um, if it goes to the ground, I think Bryce Mitchell wins. If it keeps it standing, I got Philly all day. I don't know. This is a tough one. Tough one to call because I can't, I'm even surprised the UFC is giving Bryce Mitchell such a hard fight because this guy has superstar. I mean, he's a big Trump guy. He's like he's a like a good old boy camo guy. He's just such a fun guy to like. He, he just represents a large population in the U.S. of just like you know just a fucking fun blue collared hardworking American hardworking American. And uh, Philly, by the way, is a fun guy as well. He's also got a rap song. He's he, he's got a rap group called Underground, called Outcast and Underdogs. He was a, he was also in a, a movie recently, um, where uh, with that Uriah Faber produced uh, that you can get on. Uh, I think you can get it on iTunes. Um, so I'm sure it's a great movie. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be uh, an Oscar nominated. Well, well, to be honest, it's was. very it's very heavy on stories. So. No, it's, <laughs> it's about a drug. It's about it's about a weed whole greenhouse, I believe. Um, so anyway, it looks all fun. the best movies are. <laughs> so who do we like in this fight? And I love weed. Let's keep that in perspective. <laughs> who do we like in this fight? Bryce Mitchell, of course. Bryce Mitchell. Yeah, I'm going Mitchell. Yeah. Now, now Andre Feely, as he now, okay, last time I saw him, but that doesn't mean that this was his last fight. But I think it was. He won. He, I, I think. How many wins is he coming off? Two wins. One yeah, he, win. He, he beat one um, win. He beat Sadiq Youssef, right? But it was. Well, he, no, he lost to Sadiq, and oh, then he, he came back and beat Charles Jourdain, and that was his yeah, last yeah, fight. Yeah, That was the last fight, and he looked great. In that fight, well, he got dropped first. He came back and won the second and third. First, so one. I, I liked him a lot. I remember, I remember thinking, "Oh man, he's back. He looks great." I, I mean, Bryce Mitchell, thug nasty, should probably win this fight. But to be honest, I got, I got an Andre Fe- touchy feely vibe. I got feely as well. Uh, now, Kevin Holland versus Mahmoud Maradov. I, I know that. <laughs> The U.S. is really, I mean, the U.S. Uh, that came out so natural. The UFC is really behind Kevin Holland. I thought he lost his last fight against a dentist. Uh, it was a weird fight. But Kevin Holland's really good. He beat that guy that... um, that Joaquin Buckley? He, yeah, he beat Joaquin Buckley, who just had that crazy kick. You know, that crazy, the guy caught his foot and he kicked him in the head. Right. Oh, what he a kick. He beat that guy. Um, they're really high on, I don't know much about Mahmoud Maradov. He sounds like he's from Pakistan. Uh, Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan. I was gonna say he's not Dagestan. He doesn't have Easter Island head. <laughs> he's he's from the stand though. Any of those guys from those stand countries uh, are uh, are tough. Um, so I don't I don't know about this one. The fight though I'm looking forward to is Maurice Green. He's the guy that was knitting, he was knitting on the, he was knitting on the Ultimate Fighter. The huge black guy that was getting drunk the entire time and knitting. I mean, you cannot find a more unlikable character until you see his opponent, Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, <laughs> exactly. There you go, exactly. But everyone that trains with Greg Hardy says great things about him. Um, man, talk about a guy though, Greg Hardy. Yeah, but the good things they say about him, are like, yeah, man, he brought all this beer. He picked ah. up the tab. He picked up the tab for all the barbecue sandwiches. Like, no, they not, say nothing that, to do with the fucking. Fight. They say he's very humble, willing to learn, has a huge upside uh, in his fighting. I know Dean Thomas trains him. Uh, he is a tough motherfucker, though. There's no denying that. The last couple of fights, he didn't win by being a great fighter. He won on pure toughness. The fights that he did win. Now, do you think though that Greg Hardy right now is like looking back and being like? 
football was so much easier and paid so much more. Like, man, I, man, did I fuck that up? Or do you think uh, that he just likes his career? No, nah, I, I would. I don't know how he's playing the NFL, but I can't imagine it's as stressful fighting in the UFC, and the pay can't be anywhere near uh, what it is. Uh, I would say I didn't really care much for Greg Hardy um, until this will be sound weird, but I, when he cried the first time he lost, like was absolutely just inconsolable when he lost. That actually impressed me that a guy cares that much because there's not a lot of guys that take it that serious that they would actually cry publicly when they lose. You know, like it hurt him that bad. So I thought, man, this guy really does want this. You would think a guy that's already rich or an athlete like that would be like, oh, you win some, you lose some, you know? But uh, he – Well, uh, when, they, you're, when really you're staring at the man. exit to Last Chance Cafe, it can uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it can get a little emotional knowing there's no more stops on this train. You know what but I mean? Maybe that was it. Couldn't he have played like in the CFL or something? <laughs> Greg? Uh, I don't know, maybe, uh, but I imagine he had the same problems. He would have the same problems up there that he had down here, which is, you know, all the off the field stuff. So they may not, I mean, Canada is filled with nice people. I don't know. They wanted Greg, Greg Hardy up there. <laughs> he said he, he's on the last chance. Track. <laughs> he is like, he's falling out off everything else. This is it. And he, now he's like, Oh my God, I can't. <laughs> Don't let me go, please. This is it. Well, but for a while, it was like funny though. Like, remember the first fight? Like, it was always something weird that happened. Like, first he had like an inhaler, but like he had like a secret right. inhaler that yeah. like that wasn't allowed, and people were like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then like, didn't he say something else that was he was cheating? Did he kick the guy in the head when he was down or something? Yeah, he like need him in the head. Like I was waiting. Well, but I think that was more about just not knowing the rules than than actually intending to do something against them. You know, I mean, he barely. I think he'd been in, in fighting like for six months at that point. He thought on the last the last chance train, all no holds were barred. Like you do whatever exactly. you got to do. It's like you can't do that. I thought it was the last chance train. I, uh... I was waiting. By the way, guy, has anybody been watching any of this stuff about Nexium and that guy Keith Raniere, who was supposed to be like the smartest man in the world, and he created a sex cult? Basically, you guys watch any of this? Is that on Netflix? It's on on HBO, and now there's like a new one coming out, I think, on Stars. So there's like these competing documentaries about this, about this dude. Apparently, he has like a 200 plus IQ. And he started like, you know, this kind of, you know, like a, like, like Scientology kind of a thing. But, but the main thing was at the top, it was a sex cult for him. Yeah, like, and he got like actresses that were working on TV shows to join. Yeah. yeah all these people were involved in it and like, and it exploded because it was going to be the next big religion until they found out about the sex cult, and the branding. He was branding women as his own and shit like that. Well, apparently this just came across the newswire. He just got sentenced to 120 years in prison. Wow. So he's off the last chance train. He's <laughs> exactly. They've shown him the exit at Last Chance Cafe. It's but over. Maybe he'll start that sex cult. Maybe like in jail. I was going to say, but can you imagine being, basically he's Lex Luthor. He's this evil genius <laughs> who's in jail now. But I remember like when uh, they used to have like pro wrestling, WWE, they would like ban people. They'd be like, you're banned for 300 years. You're been for life and 20 years. They would like, just in case you came back, you had 20 years. <laughs> just in case you died. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, and they're like, oh, fuck. Oh, well, good thing. Another 20, though. Another 20. <laughs> like, man, I never understood that life and 20 years. What uh, a terrible wake up. Like, you wake up after, get a second chance of life. You're like, 20 years still? Like, shit. <laughs> but like, you know what? Like, just put me back out. 
Bobby Green's fighting again. I think that this is good. I think Bobby Green every week is, should fight. It seems like he gets it seems like he gets uh, distracted and then fucks up. And then like I think sometimes this quarantine is good for people like that. He's fighting Tiago Moises. Uh, I don't know much about. Uh, tell me about Tiago Moises, Joe. He's 13 and four. He's coming off a win over Michael Johnson. Uh, before that, he lost to Damir Ismagulov. Yeah. Uh, so he's on like a like a win loss streak right now, but he's coming off a win. Yeah, that was about Michael Johnson. Which, by the way, if you're ever looking for an exotic meal, you gotta try the Damir Ismagulov. It's so <laughs> good. It comes in this rich sauce, chunks of mystery meat. You're gonna love it. That was the, they serve that the last chance game. cafe. Yes, they served that at the last chance cafe. That was when Michael Johnson was killing him, right? And then, like, I got rid of the fire. He like, <laughs> he got, he got he like, got like field hooks. A yeah. Key lock. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have no idea how this fight turns out. I mean, uh, it looks like Thiago Moises is good on the ground. He has five submission wins. Uh, he's only lost to be a decision, so who knows how this goes. He might get outboxed on the feet by Bobby Green, but I can see Thiago taking Bobby Green down and maybe submitting him or whatever. And then Chris Guchmeyer, who's actually – he's fighting Alex Hernandez. He was the guy that, like, knocked out Benil Dariush. They were calling this dude the next big thing. Then he got beat by Donald Cerrone. He got TKO'd by Drew Dober. Uh, he beat Ronaldo. He beat OAM. So uh, this dude, he's a good fighter. Obviously, he's a little inconsistent. Chris Gutmeier has been like, uh, he's a guy that like came out of nowhere. I've been following him for a while, but uh, he's, he just beat Joe Lozon by TKO. He, beat, he lost Davi Ramos. He, he lost to Chad Skelly. He beat John Gunderson. That was a long time ago. Uh, oh, no, no, it's Joe Lozon. Chris Gutmeier, fucking MMA junkie is weird. Uh, who, who, who's he coming off? Uh, he's he's coming off a win over Joe Lozon back in April of 2018. TKO uh, Oof, corner stoppage. That was a while ago. Yeah, I so. Like, I don't feel like that's right. That's according to what? This is, I'm on sure dog. Oh, wow. So he hasn't fought in a while. Yeah, two years. Ooh, that might, might be tough. What was he doing, do you think? Was he injured? Was he, you know. No, no. In rehab? Was he in jail? What? what, what that's <laughs> who knows. I, I'm just saying that's a long, it's a long time span. I, I, I'm wondering what took up that time. You know. And then we got Kevin Natiyad, who we, we just had on the podcast fighting Miles Johns. That's a good fight. Courtney Casey, I like her. She's nine and eight, but she's actually much better than nine and eight. She's dating Bracar Close against Priscilla Koshera. Uh, tell me about Priscilla Koshera, Joe. She just beat Shayna Dobson via KO in back in February, but then she was on a three-fight losing streak. She lost to uh, Luana, Carolina, Molly McMahon, Valentina Shevchenko. So this could be – this is just like, you know, don't bet on this fight because we don't really have – I was going to say, yeah, prediction. this is a coin flip right there. <laughs> uh, now, this is now all this going on on Halloween. Are you guys doing anything for Halloween? Who knows? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I'm going as, as Greg on the couch. Uh, Sean McCorkle? No, I'm going to probably um, put some candy out and a little uh, thing for some kids and then watch out the window, wait for someone to try to take more than one and then confront them about it. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and then just give them a little spanking. Just right. a little, <laughs> just a little six foot 11, 385 pound little baby spanking. You'll so never do it again. Sure. I'll really, never do it again. I think you're actually going to do that. I honestly think that's that actually, that actually was kind of my plan to put it out there and just wait for somebody to try to take a bunch and go out and confront them on it, give them a good scare on Halloween. Oh, you're, so. you're not going to dress like a certain comic? 
<laughs> I was going to say we really, we really, we oh. really, we we started out hot on the shop train, and then uh, we got off really fast. You know what a buddy of mine used to do, and he loved doing it, but I thought it was so cruel. But like, he thought it was so funny. Was he would dress up like a scarecrow or whatever. And they'd put the bowl of candy out, you know, with the please just take one thing. And then he would just sit there in a rocking chair like he was a stuffed, you know, thing. And then when they would come up and get the candy, he'd be like, and just fucking, and the kids would lose their minds. And he would do it every, over and over, all night long. And I just thought it was so cruel. I I was like, these poor kids are scarred (laughs) for life. And he thought it was the funniest shit ever. So I don't know, maybe. When I I was younger, kids these two kids in my in middle school they had like a dummy a giant dummy that like that like it was like a life-size person it looked like a person and they would go on like a bridge and then they would like every time a car would come like a, a stoplight like under the bridge kind of they would they would throw it off or no while people were driving people thought they hit it they, they killed somebody and then they would just laugh like while the person got out of the car and thought they murdered yeah. like these when you uh when you said something about a giant dummy and somebody killing themselves. Uh, I thought you were talking about Brendan Schaub again. Like there it is. Like, there it is. <laughs> you said someone laughed. I was like, well, Schaub couldn't have been there then. So we uh, la- last week we found out your girlfriend had COVID. You were very yes. worried. Did you get tested? I got tested and I tested negative for COVID. So she's getting tested again today to see if she's still positive. Maybe it was a false positive. The thing is like these there's cvs uh they do like drive through self-testing things where you just drive up to the pharmacy window and they give you like a cotton swab kit yeah how i mean you're supposed to shove those q-tips really far up your nose the average person i don't think knows that you're really supposed to shove it way up there they just say put the q-tip in your nose twist it do the other nostril i mean how many false positives are out there because people don't really understand how to do a, a proper self-test with these COVID kits, you know? So yeah, it's almost like we should have had some kind of national strategy from the beginning, you know, <laughs> where we took the lead on this and made sure we had reliable testing available readily nationwide. It's weird that that didn't happen. I don't know. Happy, I mean, maybe it's something, maybe it's something to think about next Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> so uh, what do you have coming up? We know. Nothing. Just go subscribe to the Joe Perez show on my YouTube channel. And that's it, dude. Uh, Greg, anything coming up? Yeah. I mean, for me, obviously, uh, follow my, my podcast, both in video and, uh, uh, you know, regular audio, Fantasy Football Harsh Reality. And then today I'm releasing the final part, part three of the documentary about my sister, the girl who died three times. And of course, uh, if you contribute to her kidney transplant, GoFundMe, the link is uh, usually in the comments of the video. So please check that out. It's, it's very, and it's all about demonic possession and seeing ghosts and the afterlife and uh, stuff like that. So it's very Halloween, fucking spooky ass shit, man. The girl who died three times on YouTube. Uh, McCorkle, what do you got? Uh, look for me terrorizing children on Halloween night. Uh, <laughs> more candy than they were offered. Yes, uh, and uh, if you're in Alameda, California, I'll be headlining the Alameda Comedy Club uh, the first week in December. I got some dates coming up uh, in November. Uh, also, New Year's Eve, I'm at the LA Comedy Club in Las Vegas at the Stratosphere to do my comedy special December 18th uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, you guys are great. Thank you guys so much. See you guys next week. You guys are the best. Take care. See you guys. See you later.